0: Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning everyone. It's so good to see you. On my left, let's hear it out. How are you doing? That's awful. Come on. On my left, let's hear a whoop, a cheerer. How are you all doing? Let's in the middle. To my right. Online, <laughs> online, hey it's great to be together and it's so beautiful to see uh, some faces we haven't recognised or seen for a while and new people joining us and I've just come from Gastro St. Luke's where we launched at 9.30 and that was awesome. So it's just really encouraging and we're grateful for those joining us online, believing that God's going to meet with us today. And we're looking at something of the vision, something of what we feel God is calling us to at a time of continued change, chaos, and uncertainty. And God has been speaking through a passage in uh, 1, 2 Kings, chapter 4, the prophet Elisha. So we're going to have it on the screen. If you want to open up your Bibles, it's always a good thing. And it's 2 Kings, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. It says this, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So in this story, we see the great prophet Elisha interact with this widow who is in a desperate moment. Her husband, who is a prophet himself, had died. Her husband would have been known to Elisha. In in fact, the the Targum, which was the originally spoken translation of the Hebrew Bible, tells us that this prophet was Obadiah. Now, I know you all know who Obadiah was, but just for my father-in-law who's here, just to tell you, Obadiah, uh, a few chapters earlier, was a prophet who, at a time of great persecution, where King Ahab and Jezebel were killing off all of the Lord's prophets. He risked his life, did a courageous thing, and he gathered up a hundred of these prophets and he hid them in these two caves. And at his own expense, he organized that they would be fed and watered for a long period of time. So he's now died and his wife, his widowed wife, is left with all of these debts to pay off. And back in that time, if you owe debts, then and there's no way you could pay them off. Then the generation below them, below you, your sons and daughters, would be taken away as slaves as a form of payment. So she's about to lose her children as well as having lost her husband. And so she approaches Elisha in this moment of anguish and pain. And it's in this moment of desperation she seeks God do a great miracle. Now this should get some of you here excited today because some of us maybe feel like we are in a moment of pain and anguish and perhaps you too are closer to a miracle than you ever thought possible. And so Elisha speaks to this woman. She says to him, my husband is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replies, how can I help you? And I imagine the lady thought, are you completely stupid? I have just told you my problem. I am in great debt and my sons are about to be taken away. You need to write me a check. You need to somehow fix it. You need to get rid of the problem. I mean, how can I help you? It's clear. And often in life, we can find ourselves a moment of challenge and pain, looking for someone else to fix it. Someone else, sort this out for me. Someone else, get rid of the pain. Get rid of this problem. Someone else, deal with the battle ahead. But God doesn't always work that way. And I believe for some, if you will allow God to, in this moment of challenge and trial you're facing, God can use it to reveal you something more about who he is the power and the might of our great God. God can use this moment of challenge, of setback, of disappointment, to free you up from the earthly things that bind us and hold us back and release us to be all that he's called us to be. And so this lady is looking for the pain to go away and Elisha asks her this question. Tell me, what is in your house and the woman replies your servant has nothing i've got nothing and again i just wonder if there are people here today people here watching online you're gathered at the start of this new term and you feel a bit like i got nothing i i don't know where my life is going I don't know, God, if you could really use me. I I don't know if this pain and this anguish, this setback and disappointment I've gone through will ever go away. I I don't know if I've got the strength, the charisma, the faith to step out to see you do something great. I've got nothing. You kind of know the deal at the beginning of September. The plan is that August, Everyone relaxes and rests. And, you know, I was hoping to gather before you today, having bronzed myself in the sunshine, looking the picture of rest, relaxed, ready to go, full of energy, excitement for what is ahead. And if I'm honest, I stand before you today feeling a little overwhelmed, I wish I felt crystal clear clarity on the way ahead. I wish I felt brimming with faith and confidence. But there are nagging questions in my head. There are things ahead that feel, God, are you really in this? Are you really with us? It feels like there's a mountain ahead that almost feels too high to climb. The widow responds, I've got nothing except, except a small jar of oil I mean she's got to pay off great debts so that her sons won't be taken off she is in a moment of anguish what is a small jar of oil gonna do but that's all I've got and just to reassure you this is a small jar of oil not a sample I took this morning because (laughs) if it were any doctors in the house would say you need to drink more it's definitely oil Because the truth is, the truth is we all have something. You, me, we all have something, however small, however insignificant it might feel. We all have something. And if we would be willing to bring that something before God, he could take it and he could use it to do something extraordinary. There's a moment where Jesus was preaching in front of multitudes. Five thousand men were recorded. If you add in the women and children, which weren't recorded, then you're looking at fifteen to twenty thousand people. He's preaching the Great Sermon on the Mount, and he's preaching on and on and on, and everyone there is getting hungry. And Jesus thinks that they need to be fed, and he turns to his disciples and said, "We've got to feed them. Have you got anything?" And they say, we've got nothing except there is this kid with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, great, bring me that. And they bring those five loaves and two fish. And Jesus breaks it and blesses it and feeds thousands upon thousands upon thousands. There was a moment where Moses was a nomad wandering in the desert. His life had kind of taken a turn for the worst. And this bush is burning and God begins to speak to him. He says, Moses, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to send you to confront the most powerful man on the face of the earth and the Egyptian empire. And you're going to say, let my people go. And you're going to lead all the people of Israel out of captivity into the promised land. And Moses is there saying, no way. I can't do it. I've got nothing. Who am I? And God says, what do you have in your hand? And Moses looked at this shepherd's staff He said, that's all I've got. I've got nothing except this shepherd's staff. And God says, great, well, we can use that. And you read through the Exodus story time and time again. God uses this staff to perform these crazy miracles in this beautiful moment where Moses stands before the Red Sea and he holds this staff up. And the Red Sea parts, and all of the people of Israel are led out of 400 plus years of captivity into a new day, a new star, the beginnings of entry into the promised land. You might feel that you've got nothing, but you have something. You've always got something. And if you bring it to the Lord, he can use it. It might be that you're good at listening to people. You might be willing to serve those around you. It might be your willingness just to give generously or faithfully, month in, month out. Maybe it's the way you open up your home to welcome people in. Maybe it's the way you persevere in prayer. Maybe it's the way you stand up for injustice. You get alongside the weak. We all have something. And I believe we're entering a season that if we bring that something, God will bless it profoundly. Some of you today, you're so caught up with the scarcity in your life that you forgot to realise the supply, the abundant supply that is yours in Jesus Christ. We all have something. And so Elisha says to this widow, okay, you and your sons go and you gather up all the jars in the neighbourhood around you. You go to your neighbours and he uses this beautiful phrase, don't just ask for a few. Don't just ask for a few. You get as many as you can. I mean, imagine if this widow and her boys had just got one jar, one jar, and poured the oil into that one jar. That would all be all that she had. It wouldn't be enough to pay her for debts. It wouldn't be enough for her and her boys to live off for the rest of their lives. You see, the challenge in this miracle wasn't the oil It wasn't the size of the small jar of oil. It was the faith of how many empty jars she would gather together. How much courage, how vulnerable she was willing to be to go to a neighbor and say, Can I borrow a jar? Give me anything you've got. Anything that's empty, I'll have it. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. The oil in this miracle is not flowing in proportion to the small jar of oil, it's flowing in proportion to how many empty jars, are set aside for God to do a great miracle. Because the truth is the oil is never in doubt. God's supply, God's goodness, God's miracle power is never in doubt. Is how willing are we to give him space to move in power. And I believe God is saying to some of us, look, Bring me your everything, bring me your families, bring me your workplace, bring me your identity, bring me your finances, bring me your neighbourhoods, bring me your sexuality, bring me your ambitions, bring me your fears, bring all of it. And say, God, it feels empty, but would you fill it with your spirit? Would you fill it with your power? I haven't got what it takes in my own strength. I can't deal with this problem ahead of me, but Lord, I make myself available. Would you fill me and would you move in power? This is a moment not to ask for a few. Don't ask God just to do one or two small things in your life. This is a moment to be bold. God, do it all. Do all that you can. I bring everything, every empty jar I have in my life. I bring it before you, God. Fill it, fill it. And so Elisha continues. He says, "Go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side." And so they do that. They close the door and they grab one jar and they begin to pour the oil in and that jar fills up and then they, they grab another jar and, you know, it, it shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't be possible, but it just keeps happening that these jars just keep getting filled with all, and all. And it becomes this mass kind of production line. And imagine the widow shouting, boys, get me more jars, get me more vessels. They're running out trying to bring everything they can from neighbours around them to be filled. And she's shouting out, get me more jars. And eventually they say, there's nothing left. There are no empty jars in the village. And at that moment, the oil stops flowing. At that moment, when there's nothing left to fill, the oil stops flowing. I've called this talk today, Pour for More. Pour for More, because this miracle only began when the woman began to pour the oil into the empty jars. She could have said, This is ridiculous. I mean, this is never going to fill all of these jars. But she didn't. She just began to pour. And the miracle just continued. These jars kept filling. Some of us, the way we've learned to operate, the way we're kind of our mindset is at the moment is, you know, God. When you're clearly moving in my life, when there's quite clearly enough momentum, when I feel fully certain of everything, then I'll step up, then I'll risk, then I'll bring myself before you. But that's not the way God works. God says you step out in faith because God is looking for a people of faith. That is our identity in him. We are children of God. We are a people of faith on a journey with him in this world. We are aliens whilst we're living here on planet earth to usher in the kingdom of God and to say that there is more to life than this and to point people to Jesus Christ and his love and his power to transform lives. That is what we're called to. And some of us, we've been praying for a long time God, more, more, more. And He's looking down from heaven and He's saying, pour, 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 more of you. And He's saying, No, no, you just start with what you've got and watch what I can do. Pour out your worship, pour out your gifts. Pour out your willingness to serve. Pour out your time and resources. Pour it out in the way you care for people around you. And you watch. You begin to watch what God can do. And God is calling us as a church to begin to pour ourselves out to this city, to this nation and beyond, to say there is a God who loves you. And as we do, as we continue to risk, as we continue to step out, God will move. And it's not about stepping out from a position of strength. You know, business often talks about, you know, you build momentum and when there's momentum, you step out. You know, actually God, and there's a lot of stuff that's really helpful to learn from that, but God often says you step out when it doesn't make sense. When you feel like you've got nothing except a small jar of olive oil that actually looks like a jar of urine, it feels like nothing, but we say, God, I'm not gonna hold us back from stepping out in faith and this is a time for us as a church At a moment in many ways of weakness where we're still regathering, we're still connecting. For some of you, this is the first time you've been back in church for months and months and months and we're so glad to see you. We've missed you. And this is a time where there's so much going on that how's it all gonna pan out? But I believe this is a moment in our weakness that we step out because a church like ours, the great danger is that we learn just to do things excellently all the time. We only do things when we feel confident, when we know we can pull it off amazingly. No, this is a season to step out when we feel overwhelmed, but we have to say, God, we're pouring it out and we're just daring to believe that you'll bless us and you'll move in power. We're also ministering at a time in our city where there is a desperate need for God to move. I was just reading some of the statistics around church attendance in Birmingham. And this is statistics for the Church of England, but... The rest of the church, the denominations, you know, doesn't look much better. But church attendance in Birmingham at the moment, 0.9% of our population go to church. Let that sink in. For those who aren't mathematical, that's really, really bad. <laughs> you know, you're not, it's not like a pass in GCCs with that kind of attendance. But what's more scary than that is the rate of decline. Over the last 10 years, the rate of decline of church attendance has been 14%. That's before we even look at how COVID and this pandemic has affected church attendance. But even more depressing than that is what's happening amongst children and young people. The last 10 years has seen attendance amongst children and young people decline by 25%. Of the 370,000 children living in our city... 0.5% 0.5% of them go to church. And only 76% of churches in Birmingham have less than 10 children attending. It's utterly, utterly heartbreaking. It's devastating. And I remember when I realized that, I looked at those stats, I was actually quite shaken, sobered. But there's something in me that was like, no way. No way not on our watch, are we going to allow that to happen. You know, we are surrounded by empty jars, empty buildings, empty ministries, where we are desperate for the oil of heaven to come and fill them, the people of God to step out in faith to fill them. Because the truth is, the oil of the Spirit is not in doubt. The amount of oil to go around from heaven is not in doubt. God's power at work is not waning. His desire to see all men and women come to put their faith in him and experience the love of God is still his great vision for humanity. And he's looking for empty jars. He's looking for empty jars, empty vessels, empty buildings that we can say, Lord, we'll begin to pour out the small that we've got. And we dare to believe that you can pour out all that you have. That's why I think... Investing in children and young people is so important. You know, I think the pandemic in terms of church has hit under 18s the hardest. And we have to invest in that generation. You know, what Nick and Becky Drake are doing with Worship for Everyone is incredible. The favor on it is amazing. And I believe we need to get behind them. We need to support them as a church. We need to help resource what is happening with Worship for Everyone. Over August, we saw 272 children at Gas Street St. Luke's at the kids' camp. That's 272 children from the community that we've never really previously had any connection with. They came and spent four weeks with us. And a number of you here amazingly served. That is so encouraging. And we received an amazing email from a parent of one of the children who said of the camp, It was so helpful. The summer holidays have been so hard for us. And as a family, for lots of reasons, to know my kids were safe and happy every day and having breakfast and lunch so I didn't have to worry about food so much was amazing. What a joy that we could, for a family, if it was just for one family, for four weeks during the summer, they knew that their children were going to be fed well and they knew that they'd be safe, not roaming around the area alone. Unbelievable, but... This is a moment where we're seeing some of these things happening, and it's time to pour, pour, pour. If we're going to see God do more, more, more. You know, today we've got 82 children in the kids' groups, both here at Central and at St. Luke's. And we've had to cap it at 82. You know, they filled up like that, and there's a waiting list. And I think there are children here who couldn't get into groups because we didn't have enough leaders. We could have more children here today, more children next week, but only if we can get more leaders. And maybe you could play your part. Maybe if you're a parent, you could say, look, put me on the road to once a month or whatever it is. Maybe you, you could give some mornings on a Sunday to come and hang out with the kids and love them and champion them and listen to them and join in with what God is doing. There is something around children and young people that we need to back as a church at this time. But the other thing we find, I believe, God doing amongst us is giving us all these empty jars, empty buildings. You know, today's really significant because we're really outworking this vision we've had for a couple of years, one church, two sites, and we've launched the 9.30 a.m. at Gas St. Luke's, and Gas St. Luke's is uh, the campus pastor, Tim, uh, and his wife, Claire Bateman, are kind of helping oversee that, but... It's just beautiful to see. I don't know how many families were there and people worshiping together, people from the community, people joining from that congregation that have worshiped there for for decades. And we believe that's gonna be the beginning of something very, very significant. We've launched Colmore Coffee. Who's had their coffee or panini at Colmore Coffee over the last, lots of you, I mean, Way better than Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks is like the Vauxhall Conference. Of, it's a football reference. For those. Um, it, fantastic. And there's bright play, soft play for your children. And it's been brilliant to see the community begin to use that. But that building, metaphorically speaking, is still pretty empty. And we need people like you to go and fill it, to join with what God is doing. And we need to begin to pour out what we have, daring to believe God's going to pour out more. Trev and Cat, who are here at the back, uh, and St. Mary's, I think you're joining us online. Give a shout wherever you are. They're beginning this amazing, exciting adventure to plant at St. Mary's Pipe Hayes. Again, they've been a community. that have worshipped there faithfully for years and years and years. But they recognise a longing, a cry to see a great move of God. Now, St. Mary's is a barn of a building. I mean, if you're talking about a large, empty jar, that is St. Mary's. It is huge. And Trev and Kat, and I think some people here today are already thinking about going with them. I imagine they're looking around that building thinking, oh my goodness, how is this going to work? Because all we've got is a small Jar of olive oil. We've not got much. I don't know how this is going to work. All the problems around the finances of the building and DAC and the complications that all brings and all the difficulties going on and all the how's this going to grow, how are we going to make it work, how are people going to join with us? They could wait until they feel confident enough that they've got 100, 200 people, but no, they step out with a small amount of people, the small amount of faith that they have and dare to believe that God will do something miraculous. Maybe you Are being called to join that adventure. Katie Stock and her husband Ed have just joined us recently. They are beginning an adventure at Christchurch Summerfield. Again, amazing building, which historically some amazing things have happened. But this building that we long to see filled with people carrying the light of Christ into that community. A place where people gather in to worship. Children and young people can meet to be encouraged and to be welcomed into a community. It's an empty jar that, God, would you fill it? And then finally, we're really excited and we've been thinking and praying about this for a long time. But we're going to launch a a second, a third campus, sorry. So it'll be Gas Street Central, Gas Street St. Luke's, third campus, Gas Street South, which will be based in Shirley. And Mike DeBandy, who's here, is going to be the campus pastor of that. And uh, we know a whole bunch of you perhaps travel in from around the area. And we we don't have a building yet. We're looking to buy a, a warehouse an empty jar, and we're daring to believe that God could fill it. You know, Shirley is a population, one of the largest parishes, geographical areas in the city. And again, church attendance stands at 0.5%. So there's a lot of people. <laughs> Good luck, Mike. What um, <laughs> should we say? Up to 5% by uh, this time next year. And then uh, that's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle, and you need to be part of that miracle. Maybe you need to step in and begin to worship with that community. So it's, it's incredibly exciting. It's an incredibly exciting time. But this, this next step for us is going to be incredibly costly. Because that's the way of the cross. If we've ever given the impression that following Jesus is just all about bigger, better, faster... We've sold you short, and I'm sorry. You know, the gospel is Jesus has come to give us life, life in all its fullness. But the gospel is also to pick up our cross, to lay down our lives. And to see a city transformed is not going to happen just by everyone being comfortable. Everyone, you know, oh, I'll just do my little bit on a Sunday. and hoo love this, what exciting momentum. No, it's going to come through a cost, through you giving something up, to be a part of God doing something extraordinary. I wonder if the reason the church in England is struggling is because we've just got comfortable. We're not willing to pay the cost. That's why the Iranian community from Afghanistan as well who've joined us, that they know what it is to pay a cost, to have to flee a country, to be tortured because of saying yes to following Jesus. I have said it before, but you've joined our church to teach us more what it really means to be a Jesus Christ follower. And this is gonna be costly. Because when Jesus gave up the glory of heaven and he took on human flesh and he walked on the earth to bring this message that God is love, to show us what God was really like, to make a way for us to know the love of a heavenly father. He walked on the earth He was not particularly impressive to look at. says that in Isaiah. And he was rejected, despised, rebuked. Ultimately, he was arrested. He was beaten. His body was broken and tortured. And he was crucified on a cross. And his blood poured out. His blood was shed. And as he was dying on the cross, and as he breathed his last, everyone thought, there it is. It's over. He was nothing. He said he was the Messiah. He said he was the great one who could overturn the power of evil, of tyranny. But look, he's just an ordinary man dead on a cross. Even his disciples must have thought we've been fooled. We dared to believe this, but it's gone horribly wrong. But we know the story didn't end at the cross. It ended when Jesus, on the third day, was raised back to life. He smashed through the tomb. He broke the power of sin and shame that entangles us. And he came and he walked and he said, Your sins are forgiven. You can now know life everlasting all the promises, everything I said, it is true and it is fulfilled because it is now finished. It's not over. It is finished and is now beginning. Life everlasting. And if you will allow me to work in your hearts, you can go to Judah, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to Birmingham, to St. Mary's in Pipes, to Shirley, to the south, to all over to carry this good news of Jesus. And I think of the moment, and the band could come up, I think of the moment where Jesus gathered his disciples at the Last Supper, just before he was going to be crucified. They had no idea what was coming. And he, he took the bread and he broke it and he took the cup of wine and he said to them this in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins. On the cross, Jesus' blood was poured out. It was poured out. And as Jesus gave himself physically, emotionally, spiritually to be poured out, A miracle took place on that day, like when Elisha encountered that widow. Because every empty heart, every human that was to say, I'm empty God, I need you. My life is lost. It's nothing without you. Come and fill me. And as people said, I'm sorry for I've put my hope in myself. I want to put my faith and trust in you. And as we said that, the blood of Jesus was poured out so that his life, His hope, His joy, His peace, His healing, His future, His goodness, His vision, His perspective, His authority could be poured into our lives. On the cross, as Jesus' blood was poured, 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 there was a roar of heaven that said, more, more, more. And this is the invitation for us today. That if we will give ourselves, step out in our weakness, God can do an extraordinary thing, sacrifice. God can do an extraordinary thing. So why don't we stand? We're going to ask that the Spirit of God would come and meet with us. And what did Jesus say? That the Spirit would be poured out, poured out upon us. As heaven pours out the Spirit, we begin to outwork signs and wonders, transformation in our own lives. And so we just ask, Spirit of the living God, that you'd fall afresh on us. We're going to pray into a few things. We're going to continue to worship. We've got a good bit of time just to really minister. But before we do anything else, I just want to invite anyone here who you haven't yet given your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. For the first time. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, I recognize that your blood was shed for me. That you have a plan and a purpose for me that you need to be the number one person in my life. We're gonna pray a prayer. And this prayer is a way of saying, yes, God, to you. I repent where I've lived my own life, chosen things that are selfish, that have wounded me, wounded others. And I I say yes to you, your ways. And you can join me in a simple prayer. Might even come up on the screen, who knows. But repeat after me just quietly in your heart. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know that I've made mistakes, and now I ask for your total forgiveness. I turn away from everything I know is wrong, Today I choose to put my faith in you and I say yes to following you. Please come into my life and fill me with your love. Amen. Do you know what we're gonna do? And I don't mind actually if no one comes or if only one person comes, but I'm, I'm done with making everything comfortable. But if you said yes to Jesus there for the first time, I want to invite you to do a brave thing, just to come and stand at the front. We're not going to call you up. We're not going to do anything strange to you, but there's something about you stepping out and saying, look, I'm leaving the old behind and I'm stepping into the new. <clears throat> And if it's too much for you to be able to step out in front of others, then it's going to be hard for you to surrender everything in your life to Jesus Christ. And we long to see salvation in this city. So if you're here, and you've said yes to Jesus today for the first time, just quietly, everyone's kind of eyes are closed. But just come out, come out, stand at the front. As I said, we're not going to get you up. We're not going to ask you to do anything else. But just, if that's you, come now. We're just going to wait. Wherever you are, your way through come to the front to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour you prayed that prayer we're just going to wait two minutes over to you if it helps to bring a friend bring a friend one more minute Any more seconds. Okay. We need to keep praying, don't we? That we could see the loss returned. And this is a work of God, not a work of us trying harder. So, Lord, we pray that we'd see salvation open up in this building. We pray for the day when we ask people if they want to follow Jesus Christ, they run to the front. They run to the front. Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't preach well enough. We can't sing well enough. We can't create the environment. Only you can. But Lord, we pray for a day that we will see people flooding to the front, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. We pray for our friends. Let's begin to pray for your friends now that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Some of you need to repent because you don't even care. You don't even care if they know Jesus. And we need to ask that God would break our hearts. Break our hearts. That it's not okay that people don't yet know the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, make us desperate. Make us broken. Make us hungry. Lord, may nothing else satisfy other than you. And Lord, we, we begin to pray for these areas these areas that we, we've highlighted, Pipe Hayes and Summerfield, and this area around Central and St. Luke's and the area around South and Shirley. Lord, we pray that we'd see a great move of your spirit, a great move of your spirit. Lord, send us out. Fill us up and send us out. And right now, Lord, where we maybe feel jaded, Maybe we feel like we've got nothing. Come by your Spirit and fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. I'm aware, I can see some of you are, you're so dry. And there's a desperate need for the Spirit of God just to refresh you, refresh you. Again, we're not gonna lay hands on people just yet because of, COVID and just trying to be sensitive to everything, but we can pray for people now. You know, ministry is such an important part of value of our church. We haven't been able to do that in the way we perhaps would like. Credibly, it hasn't seemed to stop God moving. You know, wow, who'd have thought? Uh, (laughs) But if you want just to receive the spirit afresh, you know that you're feeling that dryness. Maybe like, God, I don't feel I've got what it takes for this new season, this new term. Why don't you just come out to the front? And there's a few people just gonna walk around and we're just gonna pray over you. We're not gonna lay a hand on you. But if you are hungry, if you're desperate, or if you, if you feel like, God, I, I just know I need you. I need more of your spirit in my life. You feel something stirring within you. Just come to the front right now. Just step forward, step forward, step forward, Coming on out. And I, and I think... <clears throat> Frank and Larry and maybe just some of the team, they're just going to walk around and we're just, so we're not going to lay hands on people, but Lord, just come. Could everyone just step right forward because more and more people are coming? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Lord, would you refresh, would you water, would you awaken, would you restore, would you replenish? think for some this story of Obadiah just resonates you forgot I, I've given so much over the years I feel like I've sacrificed so much to follow you and but here I am and it doesn't feel like the things I dreamt or hoped would happen have happened and there's a temptation and I think at times There's been a real temptation for you just to get a bit cynical or maybe just to begin to think a bit smaller. But God is saying, no, don't you dare. Just continue to step out with that small jar of oil. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Don't give up. And just watch and see what God can do. Watch and see what God can do. And as we just pray and others, God's moving in this room and meeting with people. But we're just going to sing this song that I think is a really significant, important song for us as church. It's about God seeing the ruins, but actually those ruins becoming foundations in our lives. And so let's just keep worshipping, keep calling out to God